Yeah. Why, why, why does it matter at this point? Who cares? Nothing matters. Hi, John. <laughs> You're awakened from your slumber. I am. I have. I have risen from the uh, uh, the place of uh, sleeping. <laughs> Herberon. Trying to remember the, the what sleep sleepifus. <laughs> remember, remember what it's called in Keats. Uh, Keats has a long poem about sleep and poetry, and he has a number of terms for for it that are very very D and D Lord of the Rings type. Nice. I don't know that words. Those type words. I don't know it because it's uh, it's poetry, and I'm a heathen. Yeah. Good old poetry. Well, not everybody's into poetry. I tell you what, I am into it. I went to an <laughs> incredible reading last night. Yeah, do tell. Incre- a weird performance thing for my my friend James Gendron. Yeah. His new his new book, Weird Sister, <laughs> which is here. Okay, hold on. Has a great cover because you can't see anything in it. Very very small print. A great a great cover that is blank. It's not blank. It's just a uh, uh, the the words "weird sister" are in one color of umber, and the cover is in a uh, a different umber, or maybe they're different siennas. Maybe a raw and scent raw sienna on burnt umber. Okay, that makes it hard hard to see <laughs> on octopus books. He's also the uh, um, the author of the book "Sex Boats." And in parentheses, sexual boats. This <laughs> uh, his last last book. Really fine poet who lives here in 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 Portland, and had I only I only made it <laughs> to maybe the last eighth of the uh, the reading performance last night, which was at a, an old um, uh, church that's been turned into a. I think the um, some fanta- uh, residence that is also some sort of fantasia on Betelgeuse. Yeah, Betelgeuse. Um, Betelgeuse is the star. Betelgeuse is the Michael Keaton vehicle. Yes, yes. Uh, with little black tiles spaced uh, a little bit apart from each other throughout the building, so that there's a, a they're each kind of framed by a little bit of white. And there's an out of tune piano on the altar. Nice, and, uh, strange scents in the air and Rainier beer. Is that um, one of the scents, Rainier beer? That's a lot of. It covers up a lot of the. <laughs> oh, it's a progressive uh, odor. <laughs> All right. uh, so a lot of a lot of, a lot of, a lot of readers, including the great Sarah Galvin, a former guest ah. on, an early guest. On the Lunchbox podcast, yeah, and a great poet who also told me—I I, I think it's public knowledge—that her next book will will be appearing uh, from the new Grandma books, Grandma, which is a new online literary thing that just started. Um, my friend Drew and Bill and some other people have put together over in uh, Seattle. When you uh, Google Grandma books. Um Sarah, the poetry of Sarah Galvin is not what comes up. G R A M M A, 
Okay. What you get is the grandmother book, a book about you for your grandchild. That's also by, also well, by Sarah Gowan. Actually, let's. I want to take a little. I want to take a little turn here to the grandmother book, a book about you for your grandchild. It says, share with your <laughs> grandchild the most yeah. the, the exciting, emotional, amusing, embarrassing, and interesting moments of your life with the quote unquote story of you. For the 15 million grandmothers who are keepers of family history and memories, the grandmother book is a lively and timely way to record your story for future generations. Boy, though, you give your grandkid a present, and what is it? It's an opportunity to talk about yourself. Yeah, there's a little bit more. There's <laughs> some pictures of me. Okay, so anyway, I grandma... Think I think grandchild that you and I can agree... That I am great. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's the message there. Okay, so yeah. uh, Grandma Books, uh, Googling G-R-A-M-M-A Books, um, yeah. brings me to a, um, a uh, Greek publisher. This website Greek, is in Greek. Greek style, yeah. Which is also not the one that we want. What's well, all very new? I know. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt it. They may not have a web presence here. They went live this week with their um, daily poetry. G R A M M A. Do you know? Do you know the actual URL? Because I want to share. I want to see and to share. I want to see it too. Um. Uh, so the uh, so it was a great reading. I've been seeing reading. Um. Uh, he he um, he made a little film. Yeah. Um, uh, a, a very, an incredible movie. This is James. Uh, James, yeah, with a, a voiceover, um, uh, going on, uh, a reading 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 from the book, while t- while terrifying satanic imagery was <laughs> being broadcast on the screen. Sarah Galvin read there were there was tarot readings. There was a lot of face painting. Um, I think some of the people were a little bit high because <laughs> I had some fabulous conversations <laughs> with with strangers and acquaintances and close friends um, there and at a uh, and off uh, the, the 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 next place. Oh, we went. To, what was that? Well, somebody's house for a little party. Okay. Um. This is and, a fun uh, event. A fun event. It sounds like. It was fun, you know. I don't, I don't, I don't get out much. So being high in a church, yeah, it was pretty, pretty exciting. Um, I was not high. I, had, I only had, uh, you know, I, I, I had a beer. Somebody gave me a beer, and then as I was leaving the party early, because it was time for me to leave, because you know, when you're, I was older than these people, it's time to go. I, I gently put the beer back in the refrigerator so that someone else <laughs> can throw it out. Could. Could have it, yeah. <laughs> and I was snug in my snug in my bed long before I think everybody else. <laughs> um, but I want to read. I want to read to you some of what I heard last night, okay? If I may, yeah. The book is called Weird Sister. Yes, E I R D E Sister. Yeah, by James Gendron, just released yesterday by Octopus by Books. Octopus Books. Um. Uh, it's all about the. It's sort of about the witch trials. He's from Maine originally. Um, 
And there's uh, a preface in the beginning where he talks about family going on lots of field trips to Salem. And, and there have been a number of books, plenty of books about the witch trials that have been kind of dull and dry, Yeah, I think, you know. Um, this is not one of them, though. When Satan appear, uh, apparitioned me that night, I had no intention of paying her homage. I simply thought she was misunderstood, which she is, but not in the way I thought. See, this world is what is evil. Here's where they push the kid with lice down the stairs, where torture is not confined to the realm of genre fiction, but undergirds the apparatus of state power, where people hate each other and hurt each other, in addition to many other crimes. And this world is not Satan's fault, not Satan's fault, but ours, for we are those who ushered the grave into the house and gave it the best room in the house, brought it coffee and snacks every morning, asked how it was doing. We thought the word mist emanating from the grave was adorable. We noticed how the warning light crumbled upon its muddy surface and among the tufts of moss and pebbles on its surface, and the mushrooms growing out of it, and we gave all our painkillers to the grave for its own recreational use, pushing each, ca each capsule into the mud with just the middle finger of the left hand until our rings stank. We took new family photos with the grave, kneeling in the bottom center row, and put those pictures on the mantle and turned down the, previously, the previous family photos to face the earth. And even you, when you came to our table, felt a pang you later recognized as jealousy. All this for the grave. What's wrong? We walk around wearing two graves as shoes. Wrong. We, ta <laughs> we drive a tap into the grave, collect its putrid sap in buckets, and boil it down to douse our pancakes in. Wrong. I want to peel my heart like a potato. I want to feel it thrumming in the tangle of veins, the way a spider in the middle of its web senses a touch in any direction. I want to press my liver to the psychic wounds and press it radically over the mouths of those I hate, nourishing them like vegetables marinated in a grandmother's kiss. So, when Satan appeared to me, I used my negative capability. And when she came in the form of, a small, of the small dog with knife eyes, I said yes with my voice. So when she appeared and vomited her smoldering document, I signed it. I made intense <laughs> eye contact with Satan. I felt my traumas searing closed like wounds fused on the flat of a burning knife. Next, we flew to hell and feasted there. <laughs> in hell, we saw how they make caramel. We ate the brains of a many-headed lizard. We injected powdered glass into the scrotum of Gilles de Rey. We ate slurry or manure dinners. We ate sliding animals for the inside of a snake. We defecated into dishes, urinating or vomiting into barrels at the end of the feast. We cast black poison on the house of a student loan. <laughs> <laughs> did you know there's no did you know there's no such thing as the opera? And in hell there is a place reserved for those who perpetuate that lie. If you know you should change your life, but you don't change your life, I've seen your future apartment and it sucks. <laughs> Roll every tattoo in history into a ball and light it on fire. That's just one grain of sand on Hell Beach, baby. A beach where the su where suffering is considered totally worth it. <laughs> it's very Halloweeny. Yeah, it's good. I'm going to order that book. You should. It's that a, sounds it's great. A wild book from a, a calm guy. Well, Octopus Books. Um uh, it's on their website. I'm going to link to it in the notes. And uh, they say there are, are 100 copies available. There are 100 copies, and the book has 100 pages. Let me see if, let me see if that checks out. Well, there's 78 <laughs> pages. <laughs> I saw it with the, with the, 
with a little bit of front matter, and you count the <laughs> flaps. <laughs> and uh, it, it does have it does it does have the number the the page that has the the, the lines numbered, or you know by uh, by tens as you would have in a uh, like on an AP exam, and it has uh, fourteen hundred and twelve lines. Okay, thank that's, you. That's a book length. <laughs> I just I just realized the thing I want to do. Um, I want to uh, publish in a short story collection. I would like there to be an errata sheet that's just you know laid into the book, but that it's not. It's actually just a short story. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's good. Uh, what would it be? It would be errata. It would be fake, fake errata. It would be erotica. Yeah, it would be erotic errata. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have got, um, I've got a question for you now. Since we're talking about poetry, All right, um, are you going to participate in uh, the upcoming? This is Saturday night. The upcoming uh, poetry world series in Seattle. At- I. Uh- I was uh, I was on the t- team last year, yeah, with uh, Oliver De La Paz and Carrie Wason and somebody else. I think it's a four four person teams. Carrie Wason, who, whom we have published in uh, Okay. Carrie Wason, yeah. great, the great Carrie Wason, um, and Oliver De La Paz, who we should really fine poet. Um, and we won. And so I'm I'm a little surprised that I wasn't invited back <laughs> to defend my title from whatever ringers they're able to to bring in. I think it's it's going to be emceed uh, once again by um, in, in grand style by John Roderick. Uh huh. And I it think uh, Sherman Alexie is going to be one of the judges. Yeah, and Nancy Guppy. And Nancy Guppy, who is yeah. delightful. The two of them are described here on the Facebook page of the event as eminently qualified. And um, the uh, poets participating are Jane Wong, John yes. Beer. Great. Michelle Pen- Penulosa. Who we published. Another another Oki Panky writer. Uh, Matthew Ninao. Good friend. Janine, yeah, Janine Hall-Gailey and Michael Schmelzer. Yeah, I don't know the last guy. Do you, do you feel these people are uh, are adequate to defend your title? I think that that uh, John Beer is is the schlub replacement for me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. John and I are on a trivia team, and it seemed to know a lot of the same stuff. Although he can recall it more quickly. <laughs> Um, so I <laughs> and, think maybe they couldn't have both of us. <laughs> well, I, I encourage any Seattle listeners to uh, go. It's the it's a uh, it's on Saturday night um, at uh, seven at the Pine Box on Melrose in Seattle. Pine Box, which is an old uh, funeral home. No, really? Yeah, they they've converted, which doesn't seem like a funeral home. Seems like maybe it was a church, but it was a funeral home. You can really tell it was a funeral home if you go out on the patio, which is clearly where they would drive the hearse up to um uh to throw the uh bodies the out. In. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not the hearse. That's it's a different door, <laughs> but you can really tell when you're there because yeah. they didn't do a good job cleaning up. 
so yes, and you just sent me a link to it's uh, Gramma Press. Gramma Press, and this is a this is a lovely uh, website. I mean, it's, it's nicely laid well, out. Well, they know what they're doing. Yeah, they know what they know what they're doing. Um, uh, Drew Drew is uh, the um, editor, book designer, all sorts of fantastic things for. Um, uh, poor Claudia and and uh, Octopus and a number of other um, books and was, we worked at Powell's for a long time and is a, a magnificent poet and a swell guy. Great, and I'm I have uh, and this is his new project. Yeah, this is this looks like a great project. I'm gonna I'm going to read one of Sarah's poems aloud because you got to read a poem aloud. I'm going to read a poem aloud, and I'll link to the to I'll link to the site on the notes but specifically to sarah's poems i heard she was fired from catholic arby's but i looked all over the place and i couldn't find arby anywhere maybe this is why i feel what i've heard is called malaise i climbed every historic building in town and nothing was on top of them now most of them have been demolished to make way for buildings that lack even the possibility of something on top of them that lack is worse than disappointment it's depleting my vitamin D. To someone with a vitamin deficiency, human genitalia is invisible. Nothing is more erotic than confirming by touch the existence of something you can't see, except when it's just what you expect. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. It's so, so good. Yeah. These two, uh, these two poets are, are, are very exciting to me. Um, uh, and James I'm glad and to Sarah. have them. Yeah, yeah, glad glad to have them in my cities, and to see them both last night. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. So I have I have, a, I have a, a related question for you. We've talked uh, mostly off, but also on the podcast about the collection of short stories I've been amassing of really short stories, uh, right? Uh, oddments, oddments of various of various uh, uh, various scales. Yeah, so it's grown and changed a lot over the past couple of years. And my last two readers um, had the same note, which is take out all the whimsy. Like, take out all the... And the, and specifically, they're talking about the um, mistranslations and the meeting notes, the sort of collage pieces where I transcribe meeting notes in a highly curated way. To take them out, and make the collection because what is left behind is actually a fairly dark and serious collection that's thematically strong. That was not the case, I think, when you first read this collection. But I've added a lot of material. Yeah. Um, and I I find this idea appealing. Uh, but then I thought, well, if I take that stuff out, because they didn't say they dislike that stuff. They just said that it doesn't. It's no longer fit. It no longer fits with the rest of the book. Okay. Um, I mean, it could. I think it could serve as a kind the of whimsy. Yeah, I think it could all serve as kind of a hodgepodge book. You know, it has lots of different types of stuff in it. But um, I think there may be a stronger, more unified book uh, hiding underneath the, the fat, mm -hmm. right? But then I was actually thinking that those pieces, and there are maybe thirty-five of them in total, um, would make a kind of interesting chapbook of. You know, essentially, essentially rebranding them as prose poems, which I think they kind of are. Yeah. Um, so what does a person do with, you know, 35, 40 pages of 
prose poems. I published most of them, not the meeting notes. I just put all the meeting notes on my, uh, my blog. Um, they were sort of a, not, I didn't think they were a serious project, but they turned out to be more than I thought they would be. So I already put them on the internet. Mm -hmm. The other ones have been published in various places. So do I, what do you do? This I'm suddenly, I suddenly have a, a poet's problem. Aha. Uh -huh. The poet's paradox. The poet's paradox. The poet's gambit. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. Um, I think that those the mistranslations do uh, do stand out from the, the rest of of those those pieces uh, and seem like a different work of a different hand. Yeah, and you. I don't think you've read the meeting notes. Um, I don't think they were in there when I gave you the collection, but um, they are. They are cut from not dissimilar cloth. Yeah, I remember the the, the process, the mm. survival technique. Yeah, for getting through meetings. Yeah, which is to highly selectively transcribe things people say and collage them into little art pieces. Yeah, like the Weldon Keys story in the library. Um. I uh, what does one do with with a with a with a with a batch of little prose poems? I don't know. Um, I always uh, am delighted when I run across such a thing at a bookstore or a library. Sure. So, so they must be uh, someone must be um, putting them into things. Maybe I should put out a little uh, Twitter Twitter request uh, of Do you where 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 should I submit a thing like this? Yeah, who's doing this? Who's doing this? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, there's plenty of people doing it. I, uh, um, I'm not sure who at the moment. Yeah, and of those people, who is a, who a is lot of people who were who were doing for... this sort of thing five years ago or so, are, I think, are no longer doing them, and new people are doing them under different names that I I don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> under different names, this is the same people under different names or different it's people. The same, the same people um, <laughs> have changed their names. <laughs> Um, and they've put on, they've affixed little mustaches <laughs> and are still plotting away. <laughs> well, this is, this is an, an economic change. I think, uh, there was a, a flourishing of handmade arts. Yeah. Um, and, and little projects after the collapse of, of the economy in 2008. Um, and then once things started improving, thanks Obama <laughs> and Joe. Thanks Joe too. Yeah, I mean I like to spread it around. Sure. Uh, thank your local your local mayor and governor. Always and precinctman precinct woman. <laughs> um, then a lot of these these projects became um, too expensive to do because of rent. Yeah, and uh, all the other reasons why your friends. Uh, have moved. I think this has led to a collapse of the chapbook industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But you are suggesting that maybe it's it's a uh, it's reconstituting itself uh, out of your sight. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I would like I would like to do Okie Panky chat books, honestly. I think we should. I think we should mimeograph them <laughs> on Goldenrod. 
I still have uh, I still have um, very fond memories of your broadsheet um, monster. Yeah, yeah. I like doing that. It really felt production fell off after I quit working at Microsoft with <laughs> with uh, unquestioned access to a, um, a, a photocopier. <laughs> And with with a limitless supply of of Bill Gates's eleven by seventeen um, uh, paper, uh, so if I'd continued at Microsoft, uh, not only would I uh, be able to afford a new pair of shoes, um, <laughs> uh, I w- would probably also continue have continued uh, my my Samus dot monster. Uh, you know, I've got I've got access to a. I've got unlimited, unquestioned access to a photocopier that does 11 by 17 paper. And it just occurred to me, you know what we could do? I could make um, super limited editions of yeah. Okie Panky, each month of Okie Panky, yeah. a- as a broadsheet. You could do a month's worth. A month's worth so of it would, stuff. it would have um, the different genres represented. So it would All- have a poem, it would have a short piece of fiction, a short piece of nonfiction, and and some sort of graphic ex- expression. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think that would be fantastic. It, it, if, even if I only even if I only create one uh one copy of it. Yeah. Yeah. This would be a fun thing for me to do at work while I'm on leave. I have I have Monday office hours this semester. That's and I go to some meetings. Yeah. That's my only uh, obligation. I think it would make a nice it would make a nice poster. Yeah. A nice monthly Okie Panky poster. Yeah. Of those dimensions. Okay, I'm going to think this through. About it. Yeah. Think about it. One of the things that, that made the production of Monster, 1996 to 2000, roughly. Really? Was that, that long? I, ha- I still ha- I have a couple. Well, it's the, the, instead of being monthly, it quickly uh, started being uh, uh, less regular than that. <laughs> Whenever, if you will. Yeah. Um, so when I, start, when I left Microsoft and moved to New Orleans and started working at the New Orleans Museum of Art, um, I had more, more questioned but still liberal use of a photocopier, although I had to scrounge for 11 by 17 paper. But I did have access to a paper folder because it, the museum made lots of mailings. And they had this machine that would that that could fold a, a piece of paper in sixteen different ways. 16 wow! Different ways. Wow! And it was they had been renting it for twenty seven years, <gasps> probably paying it off many many times. And it was uh, it was a um, unforgiving machine that no one really used. There was an old old guy named. Dr- also named Drew, but it was spelled differently than Drew. It was Drew, uh, my friend here is Drew, D-R-E-W. Uh, mm-hmm. This guy's name was Drew, D-R-I-E-U-X. He wore <laughs> a seersucker suit and a bow tie, and he was in his 80s. Wow. And he, he, he had survived Hurricane uh, Betsy when his house was washed out to sea and past Christiane, and he and his mother floated way out to sea on a board and were rescued. <laughs> And now in his old age, uh, volunteered at the museum and uh, would fold things. He was, he was in charge of the paper folder. Yeah. And he always, I think with his, with his, with his one good eye, was, he knew I was, I was up to something non-museum related. Um, 
but he was too uh, too too feeble to stop me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just got a mental image of the scenario <laughs> in which he attempts to stop you, and you do not allow it. Uh, no. I'm looking at a, the page for the Formax 6102 folder inserter. Mm. There, there are Is that an up-to-date. There are budget folders for just a few hundred dollars, but this one costs nearly five thousand. Um, and there's a there's a video. Let's get it. <laughs> That's what definitely I want to spend my next novel advance on. Yeah, let's the, get it. Yeah. Wow, I'm looking at. I'm watching it now. It's folding, spitting mm. out. Magical. Uh, see, I was the I was the one when I worked at the art museum of Missoula. I was the one who would sit at the front desk and fold everything. And uh, I once uh, I would prepare the mailings for you know the the um, request for money. And yep. one time I I addressed and stamped a hundred and fifty envelopes, mm-hmm. and uh, and they were all upside down. Yeah, that is the you know you looked at the envelope and it looks perfectly normal. The address and return address and stamp are all in the correct configuration. And then you turn it over and you realize that it was upside down. And my boss, after thinking about it for about 30 seconds said, we have to do it over. And I was very, I was very embarrassed. I would have, I would have elected not to do it over, not just because I was the one doing it, but because I, I didn't imagine anyone cared, but it was a fundraising mailer and Mm -hmm. we had to seem professional. Um, And so we did it again. I think if I'd used a machine to do that, I would have made the same mistake. I always, it seems to me, here's the thing. Every home printer has an, like a place where you can, uh, you know, stick an envelope in there and address the envelope and print. So they never work. They've never worked. They've exactly. Never worked. It's, it, it's never, they have never worked. It's all, the margins are always wrong or it's yeah. the, it won't feed correctly. Or I can't seem to, I, I always, I printed on the wrong side or, uh, there's some other problem, and then when it comes out, it's it's flat and flat and curly. Yeah. 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 So I think that a paper folder, a five thousand dollar paper folder, um, we could write it off in our our uh, lunchbox uh, taxes. <laughs> our accountant. Yeah. Sort that out for us. <laughs> That's what we'll do. I love the paper folder. Yeah, I bet. I, I bet. It. Yeah. Um, it looks it looks so professional. I still have I still have a file of my folded uh, like five or six folded monsters, which I think I'm keeping mostly just to preserve the folding. As I am the uh, the literary works inside, but these contain some of the first published works of Mr. Ben Lerner. Oh, really? Yeah. And. Uh, a uh, young uh, poet named Rob Carney, who just published his first or second book, first book in a long time, if it's not his first book, um, up here in the Northwest. And uh, he tracked me down to see if I would uh, write like a little blurb for it. Um, and also just to get my, uh, just to let me know that he was publishing some poems that were in Monster in 1998 <laughs> <laughs> in 2016. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. So it's a lot of poetry talk, John. Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
It's true. Well, Do you want to so, talk about so something me, else? Let, well, let me tell you what I what I did earlier. Earlier today? No, no, no. I was sleeping earlier today. Yeah. Well, my son woke up at five thirty and wanted to hear um, uh, spooky songs. Of course, he did. At five thirty, so we I found some spooky songs on Spotify, which were <laughs> Christmas carols that have just been you know slightly <laughs> spookified. <laughs> They're already pretty scary. Yeah. That's what you were doing at 530 this morning. Including the the uh the work by the the Must Be Santa by Noble Laureate uh, Bob Dylan. <laughs> uh, we could talk about that. Uh, we we could. I'm I got no problem with it. Uh, well, I don't either. Uh, that's the that's the problem. I don't I'm yeah, somewhere between I mean, not caring at all and and gently approving. Yeah, why, why, why does it matter at this point? Who cares? Nothing matters. Bob Dylan's fine. I like Bob Dylan. Yeah, I do too. I really do. But it made me it made me think of the uh, the essay that someone published a few years ago about uh, um, dreading the day that that Bob Dylan dies. Yeah. And this is this is a preview. I mean, this is a preview of that. Uh, this is a, a foretaste of what's to come in um, boomer mansplaining when uh, Bob <laughs> when Bob Dylan dies. This was just a, a foretaste. <laughs> I don't remember. I I I would never click on something like that. So what what was the what was the thesis? The thesis was that it's going to be a tough tough day for women. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be nearly unendurable. <laughs> uh, well, the, I found the long, the, tedious explanations. Yeah, uh, of the importance of Bob Dylan upon yeah. his upon his <laughs> departure. And I, I looks, I, I I know that's uh, uh, I uh, my experience with people is that I I I, I think for that generation maybe it's more. Of a guy thing, but women my age and younger love Dylan as much as as any guys. I don't see a lot of big gender difference in who likes Bob Dylan, but who will grieve for Dylan. I can see. Yeah, it's a lot of dads. I or it's even a lot of, of stepdads. Even <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of a lot of estranged stepdads. Tears <laughs> will be shed on that day. <laughs> yeah, um, I I think men, women certainly like to listen to Bob Dylan as much as men do, but um, I think men like to talk about Bob Dylan much more than women do. Yeah. Uh, and Dylan is something you should listen to, not something you should talk about. Yeah. What's there to say? There's not much to say. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty to say, but um, uh, does uh, does anyone want to hear it? I don't think they do. No, it's like talking about Lord of the Rings or the Bible, and everybody has their opinion already. And there's nothing really you can. You may have a fine, you know, intelligent and original gloss on them, but your no one can really hear it over their own, <laughs> yeah, thoughts and the general tall wall of other of things that have already been said. You're yeah, not, you're not, uh, you know. Not bringing anything new to the table with your hot take list listicle. <laughs> listen, listen to you, uh, just so so ably 
manipulating the the terminology of four years ago. I don't think those work together. <laughs> yeah, I need uh, to go to a, do- a doctor. I've got a hot take on my left listicle. <laughs> um, Ed, do we um, do we want to talk about the election? Well, I was trying. I was trying to get to the point. That, that earlier, before all these poetry shenanigans last night, uh, Jill and Oscar and I went to Clyde's Prime Rib on Sandy. <laughs> In other words, fun. no, you do not, <laughs> is the answer to my question. Oh. <laughs> what, what, what were you suggesting we talk about? Uh, talk about Clyde's Prime Rib. That's what I wanted to hear about. Clyde's Prime Rib on <laughs> Sandy Boulevard, a, a uh, Roseway Institution. For 38 years. Don't ask what it was before it was Clyde's prime rib. Um, uh, because it was something else. But <laughs> okay. now it's Clyde's prime rib. Whoa! I just went to the website and I, yeah. boy, am I, have I been presented with meat. Oh. Just meat is filling my screen. I, I'm. 8 ounce, 12 ounce, 16 ounce, prime rib or ribeye. Yeah. Or one other option. Or you can get a, a French dip. Yeah, um, sure you can. Get you can. A chicken fried steak. You can get some sandwiches. You can get a uh, cob salad. You can get a grilled romaine. Speaking of things from four years ago. Yeah. And um, you can get some hot take drizzled on your grilled <laughs> romaine. <laughs> and uh, you can have a little Manhattan. Oh, good. I, I, had, I had two Manhattans. Two two man's Hatton. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and two, they have a, a, two, a, a two Manhattan, a very simple beer list that, uh, um, as opposed to everything, I think even the Dairy Queens in Portland have four or five IPAs that that you can have. Uh, you go in for auto parts and you can get an IPA. Uh, this was a place that had uh, just four, you know, four or five beers, um, but it has a lounge. It has a has several fireplaces, including an open one. It's oh. got a knight in armor. It has. Uh, 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 low lighting with uh, uh, large Rembrandt reproductions in gilt frames on the walls. Mm. Tall red velvet seats that sort of oh. swoop up in the back. They're they're like to the touch. They're like meat themselves. They are themselves like meat. They are like they are like meat. They oh, were originally God. white, and now they are reddened with the the blood of a, of a, <laughs> a thousand. <laughs> Rare cuts. Wow! Uh, they were playing. They were playing. Uh, uh, the music was. Uh, oh, was it a little Richard Marks? A little Richard Marks? A little Neil Astley? <laughs> Rick Astley? Rick Neil Astley? Neil Astley? First Astley on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. Uh, uh, we we were we. Were, we went at five o'clock, right when they opened. Yeah, like old people, had it largely to ourselves. It was uh, um, had had a hot fudge Sunday at the end oh of it. I had a oh had my prime god! Rib. Jill had uh, uh, the ribeye. Oscar had some macaroni and cheese. Oh, Watched Paw Patrol with headphones. Oh, while the, beautiful! While the adults talked about what school he should go to <laughs> on a t- on a tablet computer. On a tablet. Yeah. Yeah. It's very yeah. inappropriate, but it's fine. No, that's appropriate, friend. 
That's what Clyde's you prime rib. You bring your you bring your toddler to a steakhouse. You're giving him a goddamn iPad and some headphones. Yeah, I wanted uh, I wanted it rare because I always order rare. Yeah, but I said medium rare. But you know what? It was rare. It was rare. Yeah. yeah well, then that's that's a sign of that's a sign of quality yeah. because I I often I often have to order rare in order to get medium rare. Yeah. Um. Because yeah. ev- everyone over- overcooks steak. Every shitty restaurant yeah. overcooks steak. They're really inattentive. They think you. They know what you want. Yeah. You know. Um, the, this, the fo- name- this photograph of, of this meat. This photograph yeah. is. I can't stop looking at it. It is. There's little yeah. sprigs of rosemary surrounding it. It's beautifully. It's obviously taken with a fancy camera. It's incredibly sharp and detailed. The meat is beautifully marbled. It's. Just cooked enough. Yeah. Um, there's little, and the, probably the the best bit. There's a little bit of steak sauce off to one side in a little bowl, and there's a little bowl of sour cream off on the other side. They're not even fully in the frame. Could be horseradish. Could be horseradish. Could be. All right. All right. That's better. That's even better. That's much better, actually. And um, there's some, but the but the key thing here is that there's uh, aside from the sprigs of thyme and rosemary sitting on this butcher block. That the meat is lying upon, there are little um, large irregular grains of sea salt, mm-hmm. as though someone had sprinkled them on the meat. A few of them went off to the sides. Most of them landed on the meat, and they slowly melted into it as as it was being brought out from the kitchen. And you're seeing, you know, when they, you they see the down like a like like a house being carried away by lava. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Writing its own demolition. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. I think I should come. I was thinking the next time I was in Portland, which will probably be in the spring for a book thing, I would um, I would have to spend a couple extra days there and spend some time with you and go to a, a restaurant or two. But I'm beginning to think now that what I really need is a week long food only trip to portland i i I think there are travel guides that can arrange that (laughs) people are coming here just for the food and the food is good have i have i sent you to my my friend's uh my friend maddie's uh thing eater pdx i don't think so no it's 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 a eater eater pdx okay um, just, just want to interject here, and I'm, I, uh, I just want to interject here that I feel like Portland has embraced its airport abbreviation like no other town. They, Portland yeah. loves its yeah. loves its airport abbreviation. It PDX is how it is often. Almost everybody writes it. Yeah, and even says it sometimes, partly to forestall. Um, the discussion of whether we're talking about Oregon or Maine in our Portlands. Oh, I see. I see. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, okay, so I am at uh, it's, it's Eater a It's a nondescript name. Yeah, you're right. Very generic name for a city. My son uh, is very interested in getting a Chihuahua. Really? Um, and he keeps saying Chihuahua. <laughs> and no, was, he's, uh, What he really is interested in is saying Chihuahua. What he's really interested in is uh, is uh, uh, assonance and, and, and consonants and diphthongs. Sure, uh, the Chihuahua. 
And I was saying that the, the Chihuahua is from a, a city in Mexico called Chihuahua. Mm-hmm. And he thought that was pretty wild. And yeah. Why, that, why there's not a dog that's called a Portland. <laughs> and I imagine the image of this dog springs to mind with all the, car- <laughs> all the caricatures of contemporary Portland. This big bearded dog. <laughs> with, uh, I actually did a quick uh, glasses. Did a quick search to see if there really is a dog breed called the Portland, because there might be. Uh, d- doesn't look like there is, but um, I did come across a. Uh, I did come across a um, article in, from the Oregon Optimist, the top ten most popular dog breeds in Portland. Um, oh. And I would like to know uh, if you want to. Uh, should we do a little quiz? Do you want to see if you can guess what the top, say, five are? Uh, the Labrador Retriever. Correct. That is number one. The Abraham Lincoln. Is that a breed? <laughs> That's a brigade. I'm sorry. <laughs> most, top ten most popular brigades. Yeah. No, no. No, no. Dog breeds. Dog breeds. I would say the Abraham Lincoln Brigade. is <laughs> a very popular pet. I can't think of any other brigades. Um, I think the uh, uh, the Labradoodle is it on the list, or is that a subcategory? Uh, no, subtweet of of Labrador Retriever. Um, the Poodle is number seven. I I think a Labradoodle is though. Uh, I think it's I think it's uh, cultural prominence is greater than its actual adoption. So I I would say that that may explain it's not being on here. So Poodle is on the list, but it's not one of the top five. Labrador Retriever is number uh, one. Uh, uh, Scotty, Scotty or Yorkie? No, not not on there. Oh, that's good dogs. I'm thinking of the dogs in the, in the neighborhood. You want? I'm going to uh, before this gets too dull. Oh, uh, sanctimoniously rescued. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sanctimonious <laughs> rescue dog, and rescues in as in quotes. <laughs> is that number two. <laughs> that's, that's zero. That's number oh, zero. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm not sure what the what the other ones are. All right, let's do the top five. Number five is Dachshund, which is a surprise to me. No, no, good, good. I came around on Dachshunds because of Rika, friend Christie's dog. Oh yeah, yeah, with Dachshunds. Okay, they're a little bitey. Dachshunds and Dalmatians, both little bitey. Yeah. Uh, okay, at least with a dachshund, not much of your body's going to fit in its jaws. True, true. No. Uh, number four is German Shepherd. Mm. Five is Golden Retriever. Do you, you want one last guess as to what number two is? Because this took me Cocker by surprise. Spaniel. Cocker Spaniel. No, it's a Chihuahua. No, Chihuahua's on the list. Yes, it's number two. There are 11,284 registered chihuahuas in Portland, Oregon. Jesus Christ, that's a lot of chihuahuas, buddy. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's like one Great Dane. You put them all together. <laughs> so anyway, you were talking about Eater Portland. Oh, so Eater, Eater uh, yeah, so my friend Maddie has a sort of journalism site, um, which covers with, with pretty good detail the uh, the uh, the food scene in Portland, both... Uh, 
uh, you know, what's new, what's hot, what's closing, who's working where, whatever scandals du jour, mm. whatever soups du jour are going on. Um, anyway, so that's a good source of information. But Clyde's is, would be would, is something that would not be covered in Eater PDX. It is not a... There was nobody in their hip. There was a lot. There actually were a lot of old Italian people there. Oh yeah, there were two out. A lot. I mean, two tables out of eight that that were uh, filled by the time we left were filled with un, uh, unconnected uh, older couples um, uh, speaking Italian. One angry. Oh, one angry old guy. I, I noticed it because he was on his cell phone and talking loudly to somebody about the power being out. Um, because we had some big windstorms, mm-hmm. and Italian, there's not a lot of Italian people in Portland that I've encountered. There's eleven thousand of them. <laughs> the second <laughs> most popular white person. <laughs> it is, yeah. So anyway, that's mostly what I'm bringing to the table. Instead of a food food metaphor. Mm-hmm. Uh. Well, this is great. What's the, most, what's the most popular brigade in Ithaca this week? Oh, God. I think um, the North Face Jacketed Apple Muncher. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's apple season. Yeah. I've been, I, I think I, uh, did I mention to you I'm, I'm, made some apple butter? I think I did last week. You talked about apple butter. Yeah. The, yeah. Ap- the apple, uh, I bought too many apples this week. Toby wanted me to buy a bunch of apples, um, uh. and then and then I haven't seen them in a few days, so uh, they're they're sitting there. I've eat, I'm eating one a day, but I don't want to eat a ton of apples every day. I have other I have other things to eat, so I'm yeah. probably going to have to. Oh, you know what I could do? I could make a crisp. You could make a crisp. You know, my mother gave me a lovely casserole dish, and uh, round. Uh, no, it's a oh, it's a it's a rectangle. Ooh, yeah. I've I've been I've been having I've been having a little bit of a cookware crisis. Um, mm-hmm. In that, it's not a crisis. It's good. It's good, but problematic. Um, I bought. Um, I was in a position to have to buy some new cooking supplies over the summer. Didn't have a lot of money, um, so I looked on eBay mm-hmm. um, for good, good old used cookware. And it turns out that really good cookware is sort sort of like shoes on eBay. Once you buy them, once you take them off the lot, once you drive them off the lot, they lose about 90% of their value. And the same goes for fancy cookware. So I got um, a really nice uh, Le Crusette little uh, sauce pot, stock pot, and it comes with a lid. So this is a vintage thing. The lid is a skillet. So you know Le Creuset. It's a French stuff. Oh, you know, like, I, I've, I've in fact shopped on eBay for Le Creuset. Okay, yeah. So products. yeah, really, really lovely enamel. Yeah. Uh, Still expensive, not, iron. but not, 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 not bargains relative to the new price. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bargain. Yeah. yeah. No. So I paid like twenty bucks for this stock pot, and the lid is a little skillet. So it's actually two things in oh. in one. That's uh, nice. Yeah, okay. it seems to have been made maybe in the seventies, uh-huh. um, and then, um, but then I told my mother this because uh, 
my mother likes uh, kitchen kitchen mm-hmm. shopping, and she decided correctly that I liked Le Creuset stuff, and she started finding it for me and buying it for me. Um, and so I have all this Le Creuset now, and I, al- nice. I also found a skillet on eBay. And uh, Big but, the pro- skillet. but here's the problem. It's the most beautiful cookware to my eye. Um, yeah. But it's not very good. Like, for actual cooking, I don't think. I feel for like... daily cooking? Yeah. I, I feel I, like... I, uh, I had a cast iron Le Creuset skillet that was very big. It was a wedding present from uh, Andy. And oh, nice. we left it in Missoula accidentally. Um, and I loved it because it was good for frying. And it was good for a lot of New Orleans cooking, um, uh, yeah. But it would not be good for regular everyday use. That wouldn't so, good, not good for eggs. Here's my skillet situation. Okay, maybe uh-huh. you can help me with this. I so I have the, I had this and it was new. Actually, this was a gift. It was a gift from my mother. It was this, this new red uh, enameled twelve inch. Le Creuset skillet, and it's the kind they do now where that there's a there's a ceram- black ceramic coating on the cooking surface, and it behaves uh-huh. m- much like a seasoned cast iron pan. And you're supposed to treat it the way you treat a cast iron pan, so that it's a bare seasoned cast iron pan. And I have been cooking with it for a couple of months, um, and I do the stuff you do in cast iron in this pan, and I like. I like cooking with cast iron. Um, and so the other day I made a couple of hamburgers on it for my children. And then I um, uh, soaked off the debris a little bit. And then I wasn't going to, I didn't scrub it. I was just going to, I just wiped it out. And mm-hmm. then I put it on the stove to heat it up a little so that I could reseason the surface with a bit of olive oil. So I turned on the burner and the pan was sitting there getting warm. And then I heard this high-pitched popping sound. Pop, pop, pop. And I look over, and as I am watching, little bits of the black ceramic coating are detaching themselves and flying into the air. They're just popping off the pan. I did not subject this pan to anything other than completely normal cooking situations. Um, So I'm going to write to them. I think I deserve a free pan. Uh, well, they they replace things. They 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 have a liberal um, replacement. They're all guaranteed. Every Lacrosette thing is guaranteed. Okay. Okay. Um, I got I got a handle uh, for my uh, for my skillet because it had it had broken. You know, it was 15 years after it had been bought for me. I didn't have any receipt. I didn't have to explain anything. I said, "Here, I need this," and they sent it. All right. All right. All right. So. Okay, well, in that case... That's, that's significant. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it, so uh, I'm going to send them a photo of it. That's weird. That's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not familiar with that. I'm not familiar with that kind of a surface, either. I think I it's a relatively new thing. I mean, not brand new. It's the past uh-huh. decade or so. Um, so they enamel the surface. They enamel... Yeah, and it's not like the, it's not like the stock pots, which have that cream enamel coating on the inside right um it's it's supposed to it's supposed to act like a cast iron surface um but uh, uh it, it's it's failing huh. so so maybe i should just go get an old cast iron but cast iron isn't this way it used to be it's rougher 
now, and I should probably go to a go to a junk shop and find a find an old go to a junk shop. cast iron yep. pan. Yeah, there's a process for uh, um, kind of making sure that you know. There's a process for cleaning an old pan that you got for from somebody else. What's that? You don't know it. Well, I think you know it's a. Uh, Heating uh, it? I mean, well, you, you, know, you heat it. Yeah, you heat it. I, I don't know. There's, there's a. Um, uh, it seemed like it was a four or five step process. If, you, if you've got an old to rehabilitate an old cast iron. Oh pan. yeah, yeah. No, I know how to do that. I know how to. So yeah. You season it with oil. You get it to a certain temperature, where the, where the oil doesn't just sit there. It kind of bonds. Yeah. Bonds with the surface, and it creates a, a relatively nonstick surface. Because you get something um, from the junk store uh, for cooking things, you don't know it. It's all from meth labs. <laughs> It all has. <laughs> it all has uh, poison on it. Tweakers I, love. I tweakers love cast iron. We well, all know just, that. Well, I mean, it's from a meth lab, but they just made um, pork chops in it. <laughs> like they didn't actually use it in the manufacture. Okay. Okay. In in their in their um, in their meth manufactory, <laughs> they did not did not use the 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 cast iron as a stage in the process. <laughs> they used it to because you got to eat well. They're like firemen. In those meth labs, you know, there's a lot of sitting around, a lot of spare time, and so you really, you know, you sort of bond with your buddies over like learning how to cook very well, preparing <laughs> the, the the three best professions for yeah. for uh, um, for 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 at work culinary um, uh, standards are uh, submarines, firehouses, yeah, and. Uh, and the American Meth Lab. A lot of spare time. Get to know each other. Fish fries. You're making it sound extremely, uh, extremely uh, pleasing. One of the reasons why homemade. these meth labs always go up in fires is is uh, is, is really mostly uh, oil fires. <laughs> from from they're trying to make French high fries. temperature. Yeah, front. Yeah, French fries. Yeah, really crispy. Uh, cod yeah speaking of which i um i'm making uh one of my favorite fall dishes lately Mm -hmm. uh which is seafood stew ambitious yeah no it's not Uh, ambitious at all cut up bits of fish yeah you uh a little olive oil in a in a pot Mm -hmm. and then uh coarsely chopped garlic Mm -hmm. uh then some carrots some potatoes. Um, if you have any other vegetables handy, you might throw those in there. Like some, uh, I like to put a little. I like to put um, orange, yellow, and white things. Don't like to put like red peppers in there. Don't like a lot of green things in there. Um, but maybe, uh, maybe uh, throw in some bacon when you're when you're sautéing the garlic. Maybe some bits of bacon too, and then you uh, add uh, maybe some cauliflower. Little bits of florets of cauliflower in there, and you you simmer all this for a while, and then you add um, chunks of cod. I get some, you know, fr- fairly inexpensive frozen cod fillets. Just mm-hmm. cut cut it up into chunks, and uh, put a bunch of um, put a bunch of uh, th- seafood stock over all this, and a little Old Bay seasoning, maybe. Um, or the seasonings of your choice. Old Bay is nice. Can't go wrong with Old Bay. Mm -hmm. Um, And you simmer that bad boy for 40 minutes or so. 
And you have got a delicious bowl of stew. So the only seafood aside from the stock is uh, the cod. Do you well, put you it can, in frozen? I'm, I, yeah, I put it in. Well, I usually sort of um, let it sit out defrosting for a few hours uh-huh. so that it's still mostly frozen, but it's you know it's good enough to um, it's 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 a uh, uh, thawed enough to cut easily, but still uh-huh. retain its shape. Um, but you can put any fish you want in there. I'm just using cod because it's cheap. Right, right. That's a nice. It's a nice New Englandy. Uh, it's a good East Coast stew. Yeah, yeah. What do you do? You have do you have any uh, fall uh, fall dishes that you've you've broken out now that the the chilly weather is here? Is stuffing a dish? Sure. Yeah, I like stuffing. Uh, we've been doing a. We're now at the drywall stage of the new bathroom. Yeah. So um, under under the father in law's. Um, uh, watchful eye. We've been uh, putting the drywall into the uh, into the bathroom. It's a yeah. lot of uh, uh, holding things up while people uh, ap- apply screws to them. Um, using an exacto knife to cut little holes for the uh, the, the the outlets and the the, 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 pl- the plumbing. Trying to get it all nice and snug in there for the good. for the next step. Uh, it's kind of a slow process. It's rewarding. It looks really good. Uh, so the other day we were doing that, and then uh, uh, mother-in-law came over with some lunch for us. Yeah. Brought over a, 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 a some tomato soup, uh, tomato and carrot soup that was just slightly curried. Mm. So slightly that it, that it seemed like almost like a licorice-y um, seasoning, like anise or something, or, or a, a little splash of Pernod. Yeah, but it was just a little curry, and that was uh, that. That brought all the uh, that that brought the uh, that brought the summer to a close. Sure, and and solidified that it was now autumn. So make all tomatoes from the garden. That Fresh sounds tomatoes. that sounds really tasty. It's really nice. Fresh tomatoes, carrots from the garden, tomatoes from the garden. Uh, I have been. Um I've been getting into this uh, spice. Bl- I've been get- I've been into spice blends this year, starting with Mrs. Dash. I keep a fair amount of Mrs. Dash around the house. Mrs. Dash um, is good, and uh, there's no salt. No, right? no, but it's I can. A, so no, it's a you, salt substitute. Makes you feel like you don't need salt. No, I. That's not the case. Um, I mean, I. Th- I think that that's its reputation. And it it trumpets yeah. its salt saltlessness, but yeah. um, then you add it, a little salt in there, and it's really then good. I add then I add salt, and it's really good. Yeah. If you if you yeah. if you're in a, a health position where you can't have a lot of salt, then of course it would yeah. be great. But um, too much we, we eat too much salt. I feel salt poisoned all the time. Too do much you? salt. Yeah, too much salt. Okay, that was my objection to Clyde's. I walked away. I was like, ah, I don't know why it has to be so salty. I my I have the um, my impression is that things are too sweet. Everything, sweet. everything you can cake. get, bread everything you cake. can, yeah, everything you can yeah. get that's sweet, sweet is too sweet. I love, I love a sweet thing. Yeah. I love a sweet thing, but I feel like, sure, when something is, uh, if you buy a a baked good, you get a dessert at a restaurant, you get some ice cream, everything has about twice as much sugar as it needs to. Absolutely, have. yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, spice blends. Uh, so this is why I got got on the old bay, um. I'm also a big fan of Dinosaur Barbecue's. You know, uh, Dinosaur Barbecue, the chain that started, I think, in 
Yeah, Sir- right. Syracuse now has a couple of locations in Manhattan. I was talking about last week. They have a they have a um, uh, they have a spice blend called Cajun Foreplay. Yeah, I, I know you're making a don't you're making a don't don't be sexy with food face, and I agree. No, no, but, be sexy with food, I, and and I think uh, I I I I've, I have known a number of Cajuns, and I I adore them. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to imagine my Cajun friends engaging in foreplay, and uh, it seems very inappropriate. <laughs> All right, well, I mean, it is a it is a Catholic people. Well, you know. We- <laughs> You know what you could do then if you had this spice blend, which is delicious, and I put it on a lot of stuff, and I highly recommend it. Um, you could do what my friend Robin does, which is she does this with everything in her home, including, um, uh, including I'm told, deodorant. She takes a, a piece of uh, pieces of decorative paper and covers the labels of everything with decorative paper because she doesn't like the sight of the labels on products that you know the intended labels on products. Yeah. So you could do that. You could put a little um, little washi tape on there, yeah. little uh, little wallpaper. Yeah. Anyway, call it um, Cajun friendship powder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And the other thing I've been cooking with is uh, za'atar. <laughs> the uh, with middle- an apostrophe somewhere. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Z A apostrophe A T A R. I uh, don't know. I know how to apostrophize it, but I'm not quite sure what it is. What it is is a it's a it's an herb blend, um, and it's usually made with uh, sesame seeds. The the key ingredients are sesame seeds and dried sumac. Oh, yeah. Um, and you can, it's kind of a little bit hard to find. I got a, I got a big bag of it for ten bucks on uh, Amazon. Um, and there's other stuff in there. Uh, Is it crushed up sesame seed? Uh, no, the sesame seeds. Uh, the, sesame seeds are whole in there. Um, uh-huh. It says it, uh, it's gen- generally the um, and it's dry. They're all dry. It's all dried stuff. Dried thyme, oregano marjoram or some combination thereof mixed with toasted sesame seeds and salt and sumac 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 and uh it's great um on a flatbread it's great on uh root vegetables mix it with some root vegetables and uh bake that bad boy is this not is sometimes sprinkled on top of hummus it might be like you get something you get some hummus yes. on it and then they sprinkle a little stuff on top of it yeah, in just fact, a little, just a little. Psh. Yep, yep, that's good. That's mm-hmm. probably the stuff. Yeah, sumac. Nice. In fact, and maybe uh, a few some little pine nuts in an iced tea to go with it. Pine nuts in an iced in a nice tea, sweet iced tea with some pine nuts. I've never Honestly. seen that before. It's nice. It's a Lebanese thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. How about how about a uh, uh, Montreal steak uh, powder? Uh, what <laughs> blend spice? <laughs> what is that? Montreal steak seasoning. <laughs> What's it like? Tell me about it. Salt. 
It's like a salt and pepper mix. No, 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 not on the spot. I think it's just kind of salt and pepper mix. Oh, I think it's got it's got some stingy stuff, some some sort of spice, um, something something that gives a little bit of heat, uh, sav- more savory. Um, I'll be damned if I know what's in it or why it comes from Montreal. I can tell you the I can tell you the answers mm-hmm. to these things if you want. I'm I'm on the website wikipedia.com. It's Canadian salt. Uh, yeah, it says mm-hmm. uh, the prim- primary constituents of Montreal steak seasoning include garlic, coriander, black pepper, cayenne pepper flakes, dill seed, and salt. It's the dill. It's a rub. A little bit of dill. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what's distinct. So it's what's piquant about it. Here, get this though. Get this. This is good. This is this is good. The Montreal mm-hmm. deli. Schwartz's is credited with the creation of Montreal steak seasoning. The story of its creation is that during the 1940s and 50s, a Schwartz's broilerman by the name of <laughs> Morris the Shadow Sherman nice. began adding the deli's smoked meat pickling spices to oh, his own rib pickle. and liver mm-hmm. steaks. So that's where you get the dill. See it? See it? Yeah. So maybe I have to try this Montreal yeah, steak seasoning. From the deli. Montreal, so yeah, okay, all right, all right. Let Montreal. let let this be the season of spice gave blends. Us, gave us salt bellow, Leonard Cohen, and uh, Montreal st- uh, pickled pickled uh, steak seasoning. Yep, yep. Good, I like it. Um, I don't know what else is going on, John. I don't this know. Is a very we- spirited conversation, which we have talked about literary matters. And we have talked about food. We're as on brand as we've ever been today. This is really for for our hundred and first airborne episode. Our hundred and one Dalmatians episode. Yeah, this is pretty impressive. Our, our hundred and one uh, sanctimonious rescue dog episode. It exists. Ed is showing me, listeners, a copy of his new book, "Run the Red Lights." They uh, came in the, the FedEx. Uh, Person showed up Friday with it. Can pe- can we buy it I, now? Is it no? You can pre-order it. Okay. Uh, it's, it will not be in stores. The pub date is November 9th. Okay. And it, and it, it is meeting that target. So um, you can get it. Although I bet if I bet if you uh, uh, bought it from an online retailer, it would get there pretty quick. So okay. So they're out, and it looks great. Yeah, I the, I uh, think the cover is uh, beautiful. All, all the labor that went into it, from the the book designer, the production manager, the managing editor, the the copy editing, all of this. I mean, it's real labor that went into it, and I, I feel like I'm part of a really good team that 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 I, I I'm a minor contributor to this product that is really beautiful. The cover image, I, I mean, I liked. I had, um, you know, I've seen, I saw the painting when it was at the New Orleans Museum of Art. Oh, who, you know, that was 16 years ago. Who made it? Who made it? Who painted the painting? No, painting Rothmore. of a, okay. yeah, F- uh, flamingos in migration. Yeah, uh, Noel Rockmore, who was a French Quarter weirdo. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I wasn't sure how it was what it was actually going to look like. On the, on the book in reproduction, and it looks the color is really striking. The image is really looks very nice. Very happy with it. Congratulations, buddy! It feels great. 
And I'm, I, I eagerly look forward to rereading the poems within. Yes. Well, your copy is in the mail. Oh, oh, great. There's a copy right. in the mail to you. You asked me for my address the other day, because and that you, must you, be you why. You may not know this, but it's dedicated to you. Are you joking? You're sharing billing with Jill and Oscar and also to, to uh, um, uh, J. Richard Lennon. It's, Eddie. Did I get I'm, that wrong? Oh, I might have got it wrong. No, that's the- fine. I'm actually uh, tearing up. That's wonderful. Thank you. I, well, I, I. It has so much of its genesis in these conversations that we've been having. It seemed appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I—it's what I loved about the earlier draft. Oh, I mean, um, among other things, but um, the fact that I, I recognize some of the some of its subjects and and language from uh, stuff you said on the podcast. So, in the same shipment is finally uh, uh, a, a collage. Oh! Oh! Wow! Wow! Yeah. Great! Yeah. Okay. So those are both. Those are both on their way. All right. Great. I'm very excited about this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, it's a good one. The collage. We put we put, we put them into frames, um, and things look better in frames. Yeah, they do. A frame can really sharpen something up. Yeah, I agree. You you actually mailed a frame to me. Yeah, it's a it's a cheap IKEA. Yeah, whatever. It's not glass. Okay. So it'll, it'll, uh, if it breaks, it will be, will be because it was subject to in, intense pressure or heat. <laughs> <laughs> it's not supposed to break, but as you learned with the the the, the formerly esteemed Le Crisette, oh. um, lots of things in these modern times can go awry. Yeah, I'm definitely going to get myself a new uh, new pan out yeah. of this out of yeah. this deal. Yeah. All right. Ed, thank you. I'll I'll uh, alert you when the package arrives. All right, then. All right. Have yourself a um, merry little uh, election eve, and I'll talk to you soon. Have a nice autumnal day. Right on. I will. Bye. Watch out, watch out for Satan. Oh, thanks. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch. Have a hankering for lunch Well then come to lunch Cause it's time for lunch Box with Ed and John That's right It's time for lunch Box with Ed